Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. I am Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal State House team, and I am joined by my compadre, friend, foxhole buddy, Jason Alatid. Jason, how are you, sir? Doing well. You uh, you uh, forgot to mention that we are the award-winning. Uh, yeah, the never House forget podcast. that we're award-winning. <laughs> Our listeners certainly certainly won't. <laughs> <laughs> we we pounded into the ground enough, or I guess into their ears enough in this case. And the, that's the voice of the Associated Press is John Hanna. Hello. Hello, Jason. Hello, Andrew. Good to have you as always, John. Back from your trip through Hanna, Oklahoma. Yes, Hanna, Oklahoma, population 100. It does have a public library and a community building, as well as the Apostolic Church of Hanna. Um <laughs> So yes, uh, this podcast are, uh, is a, are devoted practitioners of the Apostolic Church of Hannah. Okay, well let's let's not slide into blasphemy here. <laughs> so, so you increase the town's population about one percent by showing up. Yes, yes, um, and it, it it was it was an interesting little journey. When uh, my my dictum in life is when people in Oklahoma name a town after you, you should visit. I'm pre- I'm actually pretty sure. I looked it up online. Apparently, it was named for some guy's daughter, which you know, frankly, I get. I get that. So. I can't wait for the group trip to Chillin, Oklahoma. Chillin, Oklahoma, yes. I did go looking for, you know, like Ball, Arizona, and Alatid, Georgia, but sadly uh, did not find them. I'm sure towns like that exist. Well, Joe- And if you want to start them, you should. We, we might move there. Yes. Well, John, you get back just in time for a busy few days in Kansas uh, government and politics world. We are inching closer to July 1st, which means not just a holiday weekend of sorts, kind of a weird one this year. It also is the effective date for a bunch of bills, including uh, a favorite topic of conversation in this podcast, Senate Bill 180. Jason, briefly, for those uh, not familiar for those living under a rock and not listening to our podcast, summarize. What, what is what is Senate Bill 180? Senate Bill 80 was the so-called Women's Bill of Rights, uh, but did not use that term. It uh, was stripped of that kind of language early on. It had some whereas clauses. Uh, Kansas so, doesn't usually do lots of whereas clauses. Yeah. And I mean, what was it? A page and a half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that. Uh, 
that really didn't spell out a lot. Uh, like the nitty gritty of policy was not put in by the policymakers. They put in more sweeping language that has been left open to interpretation. And advocates, reporters, politicians have all had uh, projections for how this pol- this language could be interpreted. Right, it's interpreted and it- what it could mean. And we now, I mean, we, July 1st, Saturday, is when the law goes into effect. And we've been waiting with bated breath to find out what the law is going to mean. And finally, this Monday, Attorney General Chris Kobach gave his interpretation. Yeah, so the probably the, the most concrete change in the bill is it will, what the bill does is it, it will put definitions into state law. Male means... Uh, Female means you have a biological reproductive system designed, when developed, it is designed to produce ova, that's the word, and the male reproductive system is, when it's developed, is designed to fertilize that ova. It is what you are at birth in your sex, and sex is yes. different than gender. Um, and there's really no imagination of being transgender. Right. There is no, there is nothing uh, with these definitions. They're not going to deal with gender or gender identity. Everything is going to be based on sex. The markers on your birth certificate, your, um, your driver's license are going to be sex and they're going to be defined in this way. It does not matter what you do in your life from the point on of your birth you are male or female based on what the doctors assign you at birth however you want to phrase this that is what you're going to be legally um what was interesting about the attorney general's news conference is not only does he argue that this law prevents transgender people from changing the markers on their driver's licenses and birth certificates to reflect their identities, their gender identities, he argues that the state has to go back into its records and reverse all the changes that have been made heretofore. And um, the kind of the wrinkle is, is that there's nothing in the law that allows the state to confiscate your documents. So you can keep and use your driver's license that identifies you as, say, you're a trans woman. It identifies you as female, your gender identity. Uh, internally, the state will list you as male. And then when you go to uh, renew your driver's license, the driver's license will say you're male, even if you take a picture dressed with your identity in line with your identity as female. Well, and we should say that this is kind of the most concrete, uh, as of right now, impact of Senate Bill 180 is on these identification documents. And Which is very interesting. Collection. Yeah, but I would say... How much of the how much of laws in the country? Yes. How much of the debate do you think, if you had to calculate, how much of the debate do you think centered on the question of birth certificates and driver's licenses versus versus the desire to keep, for example, trans women out of women's restrooms and locker rooms? What would you say the ratio was? I would say the only real mention of it that I can recall was uh, testimony in opposition to the bill submitted by 
Ellen Bertel's uh, Kansas Legal Service. So who, maybe maybe ninety percent facilities, ten percent this, or even less. I would say. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's possible. I mean, I I was obviously not not yeah. Nobody for was every calculating of of debate on this bill, but I mean, the bulk of it centered on. And this is where, to Jason's point, the bill is somewhat nebulous. It it does not necessarily proclaim that statewide now in public buildings you have to use a bathroom uh, uh, in line with your sex assigned at birth, but it could allow local governments to do that. They it, would have a defense if they enacted that policy. What well, it says legal that, experts, I say, say that they might not really. Well, and uh, that's true. Uh, the attorney general does argue, yes, legal experts question that. Um, the issue is that the the language of the law says the state has an important, there's an important governmental objectives. Uh, there are, uh, the objectives are protecting health, safety, and privacy, and that justifies uh, gender separated, actually sex separated spaces, uh, bathrooms, locker rooms, uh, prisons, jails, uh, domestic violence shelters, rape crisis centers, places like that. Um, And so in theory, um, it is not the state's policy that a transgender woman is able to use a public restroom marked for women. Now, in practice, again, there's no enforcement mechanism. North Dakota has a law. It's not written like this, but it is a. It, it has laws that will uh, basically restrict transgender people's use of restrooms in public schools and in universities. And it has no enforcement mechanism. And the school district for the state's largest city, Fargo, which is kind of a blue enclave in this state that's even redder than Kansas, said essentially the superintendent said, we're not going to follow that. And the school board backed him up. And in response, a Republican legislator sent around an email saying, well, let's take away their funding. That's There's not really a mechanism to do that very quickly because their legislature uh meets once every two years and they're out of session um just like the kansas legislature way way back in the day met once every two years and thinking of these disputes and the legal analysis uh the mo i I think everybody expects this law will end up in court and the most immediate way will be Mm. uh stemming from Essentially, a Friday afternoon or Friday evening, I, Friday I would, night news dump. Yeah, it was like almost a Saturday morning. It was like dump. just before midnight. Um, the attorney general's office the the state uh, is under a judge's order, uh, known as a consent decree, uh, meaning that that what happened was in 2018, four transgender Kansas residents sued three state health department officials, KDHE. Uh, people in charge of birth certificates because under Republican Governor Sam Brownback, it wasn't spelled out as specifically a no change policy, if I'm recalling correctly, but it was so strict that it might as well have been. Um, And that was the policy. They filed a lawsuit in 2018. Uh, Laura Kelly becomes governor in January 2019. In June 2019, 
uh, her administration has negotiated a settlement, and that settlement is to allow transgender people to change their birth certificates, uh, to ratify that settlement, to sign off on it. The judge issues a consent decree. There's language in there that says that old policy violated the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which says states have to guarantee the rights of due legal process and equal protection under the law. So that case has been closed for four years. Late, late, well, like Friday evening, the Attorney General's office filed a a notice uh, that they were going to put new attorneys on it and then a request slash notice that they were changing the defendants from the officials who used to, in KDHE, who used to hold those jobs to the ones that now do. So, for example, Janet Stanek, the current secretary becomes a defendant. Which we, we should quickly say is somewhat unusual because generally... The case was closed. It well, was resolved. Well, and also a lawyer can generally not just come in and kind of spontaneously represent someone. I mean, the attorney general argues he is the attorney general. This is what he does. But there is some right. ambiguity. Generally, generally uh, lawyers are not supposed to file papers for their clients without consulting with their clients or getting their clients permission to do it. There were apparently discussions between the attorney general's office and the administration, but the administration does not agree. And after, after uh, Kobach's office signaled that it wanted this case reopened, and that was, I mean, that was, I mean, you, you might as well have sent up fireworks or, or had a sky plane or something because it was the, obviously the only reason the attorney general would do that is to try to dissolve the consent decree so that you're, you're getting your 4th of July celebration. Yes, I am. Early. I'm getting it in early. Uh, so that, you know, the consent decree conflicts presumably with what is supposed to happen under this law. And so uh, the attorney general is arguing that he's trying to resolve that conflict. He also argued that the state law takes precedent over the consent decree. Again, uh, an assertion that is disputed by other legal people. So so we are now in a legally unclear area. And so when it comes to July 1st, the state agencies will presumably be operating as they have been, and it yeah. could set up a situation where Kobach sues Kelly. Well, the, first, we, we should note that the Kelly administration has not said exactly what the state agencies are going to do. Well, except they, they did basically say that KDHE will continue to follow the consent decree yes. until instructed otherwise i'm filling right. in some of the gaps right but that and, was and, and the attorney the attorney general did say that he's not pressing for an immediate change on birth certificates because he wants to give the judge a chance to act in fairness but i mean pretty clearly given her record on lgbtq rights issues the expectation and, and given the statement from her spokesperson the expectation is is that the Kelly administration is not going to follow the guidance from the attorney general, and that will then result in litigation. And and the, more litigation. And that would be the uh, first Kobach v. Kelly lawsuit, right? Of this uh, new administration. Or do you, or this do you like? Firm? Is there like a deal where they just like toss out the first 
I don't know what filing brief, you know, like a ceremonial, you know, he stands on the pitcher's mound and throws, you know, or in the stands and throws a throws throws a pen or something at one of his assistants and everybody claps. Or, or um, it could be like like at a baseball game. That's the analogy. And bought those little tank fireworks and shot them at toy soldiers. Maybe maybe you can use a firework to light the consent decree on fire or something. (laughs) Well, and we should say real quick, the guidance from the attorney general is just that attorney general opinions. Courts will consider them and give them a bit of weight, but this is not in any way legally binding on On, the Kelly administration. No, it's it's not strictly legally binding. On the other hand, his interpretation of what the law does with birth certificates and driver's licenses. It tells us where this is going to be guided. Well, and 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 frankly, it is not. It does not appear based on the text of the law. It does. I mean, advocates were saying this would be the result. They said this from the beginning. This is what this would do. One of the things it would do. And you know, and and uh, obviously there was the question of the consent decree out here. But advocates have been saying pretty consistently that this uh, Senate Bill 180, if it became law, it would essentially legally erase the gender identities of transgender people. And what we heard at the news conference basically confirmed that, that the law will not recognize a transgender identity i mean it will be male or female based on your reproductive anatomy at birth the officials didn't really say that in so many words well but it it but it's that's what it that's the result right you're you're not using the word they to be but i think it's important to note that really the the intellectual grounding of this bill is in the notion that being transgender does not is not really a concept. I As mean, senator, it, that, that it does not conform with what these these officials believe to be human anatomy and biology, right? Regardless As, of of I mean, they're the the and people the who biology, do this for a living say that's the not actual true. biology and science of all of this is more complicated right. than this bill lets on, but. Laying aside that scientific debate, leaving that for other people in another day, the argument here is they concede, uh, the attorney general and other people concede that sex, biology, is different from gender, which is a social construct. And they're saying, under this law, the state, all of these things that deal with male and female statistics, birth certificates, driver's licenses, that is a designation of sex, which is biology. And under this law, that can be one of two things, male or female, based on these definitions. Okay? you The, the argument is you can do whatever you want in terms of your identity. You can live however you want, but the law is still going to re- recognize your sex as what you were assigned at birth as opposed to your identity now. And if that's in conflict, that's in conflict. And, um, but this one over here, the sex marker rules for the purposes of defining you if you need to be defined 
in law. And that's that's what this is. And you are right. There is when when the news conference state senator Renee Erickson, a Republican from Wichita, said um, you can have the name you want. I'm paraphrasing. You can dress how you want. You can live how you want. But that doesn't make you a woman. That was her statement. That last part. It doesn't make you a woman. Um, And, you know, the question a reporter asks so you're saying trans women are not really women. And she said, what is your definition of a woman? Rhetorically. Rhetorically. Um, although some of us, by way of following you did. I mean, you know, the, the transgender rights advocates would say, you have a woman's name, you dress as a woman, you present as a woman, you live as a woman. In some cases, you're having surgical procedures to align your body with your gender identity. Their argument is legally, you should be a woman. Well, Period. Because you're a woman. I do want to make sure we talk about the letters, but yes, kind of one last point looking forward. The Kelly administration has said they will release some form of updated guidance by July 1st, potentially giving us some clarity on what KDHD and the Kansas so Department of Revenue like what, will do. So that's like 515 Friday? I think that's probably <laughs> safe to say. Although they actually are, they actually do release things around some of these things at 430 and not 5 or 4 or 430. If the podcast is delayed on Friday, you all will know why. Uh, but but we should be getting some guidance before July 1st. We should not, however, expect a ruling from U.S. District Court Judge Daniel Crabtree on that consent order that Jason was talking about, reopening that. Uh, that's expected to take a little longer because the plaintiffs need time to respond and, and fully brief the, the matter. Yeah, it's so. not on an expedited schedule. Crabtree, by the way was the judge who signed the consent decree in 2019. Um, an Obama appointee. An Ob- I was going to say an Obama appointee. Uh, interestingly enough, there was a Kansas judge, John Brooms. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Don't want to misstate the name of a guy who has contempt power. Um, he is a Trump appointee. Um, and he was handling the law, a lawsuit against this kind of policy in Oklahoma imposed by their governor, and he upheld it. Which did run counter to previous federal court rulings. And yes, well, Idaho, also, also Tennessee's policy was upheld, uh, I want to say, last week, I, somewhere in there. So there are, there are differing district court decisions and... So this is ripe for an appeals court and then probably the U.S. Supreme Court to step in and say something. It has been a busy couple of weeks for the Attorney General's administration. Jason, I'm going to toss it over to you, and we're going to go off in a very different direction. But uh, the KBI, the law, the uh, uh, that part of the Kobach team uh, has been busy with. I believe it's it's around 110 letters that were mailed to Kansas officials. Tell us about that. Yeah, it, it appears it was mostly Republican lawmakers in the attorney general's office that got these letters containing a white powder uh, now a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And uh, we were initially told uh, that they were... Was it presumptively negative for biologicals? Uh, How much hedging can you do in one statement? They they, they did not, testing did not indicate a risk to public safety. 
uh, we we found out from Attorney General Kobach that it is now suspected but not confirmed that it may have been rat poison mixed with another powder, like a baking powder. Uh, we were also told that uh, we were told by KBI Director Tony Mativi. Uh, who previously ran against Attorney General Kobach in the primary, uh, that the whoever perpetrated this left behind a lot of clues. Yeah, he's uh, confident that they will crack this and there will be arrests. And we should note, too, that these letters have popped up in Tennessee, shut down the legislative building for a day or so in Tennessee, also in Montana. And... Uh, the KBI director thinks that there could be uh, domestic terrorism charges yeah, potentially they're... at the state and federal level. Uh, for... 110 charges, presumably. Of... Well, and, and look, obviously this was, you know, I whatever word you want to use. Um, this, I mean, this was, if it did contain rat poison, well, you know, I mean, lawmakers don't always pick up and often don't pick up their own mail their families do it so you could have a kid open this and get this on his hands and uh you know poison himself or get poison from this letter um you know you get uh, say it's all baking powder but you don't know that and how do you know that all 110 or 120 all of them were baking powder how do you not know there's like you know, one with some some bad substance in it, and 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 you know the 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 letters were how would you they were like people like somebody had cut out letters from magazines and pasted them together to make a message. And I, I wouldn't even say that; just like use different fonts, strange different fonts. fonts. I, we should say the the postmarked uh, uh, or the, the return address was were generally churches in the town that a legislator resided right. in. Right, and the person listed was generally... A transgender person or activist who had been killed. Or, or committed suicide. Yeah. Um, and the postmarks, the one postmark I saw was from Kansas City. I believe that most of them were from, if not all of them were from Kansas City, and even the Montana ones were also postmarked from Kansas City. So this was, I mean, this was, and and the content of the letters, although not entirely clear, were clearly um, uh, castigating, threatening these lawmakers over what appeared to be their votes on LGBTQ issues and maybe some other conservative stuff, but mainly LGBTQ mess, uh, issues. And the word is investigators have not determined a motive and have not ruled anything out uh, so they don't know who did it and why and if it could have been a false flag or not well and 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 you know the thing we need to remember is that not all trans people are progressives or liberals um, just as anybody with any voting block is not all one thing or the other so i mean who it's it, there's no there's really no good reason to speculate until the uh, authorities identify a suspect and we can 
uh, we can tell who those, you know, get some sense of who those people are and, and what the, and, you know, some sense of the motive, which they aren't discussing now. Uh, we know what the contents of the letter are and, and what direction that might or might not take us, of course. Um, and that's a, that's a good supposition idea, but it's still, you know, we need to. It's, it's good to resist the temptation to, to probably go yeah. galloping off too far. And while no injuries rep- were reported. And no uh, risk to public safety. Uh, Mativi said that there were other effects uh, of having 60 KBI personnel, every hazmat unit in the state, every bomb squad in the state, and countless local states. Tied up for like 96 hours. Yeah, and... I mean, he said he was sure that a fentanyl shipment that could have been stopped got through because everybody was busy dealing with this. And that, of course, is part of the that report is the a part of the problem. And, and, you know, he does believe that there might be ways to recover some of those costs. But, you know, it just it this the the LGBTQ caucus of the Democratic Party denounce this and and really this is obviously troublesome um in terms of the public debate over these issues that this this shouldn't i mean this should not be happening period and you no know, matter the motive I think no matter the motive <laughs> and, and, and no matter if the material was dangerous or not no yeah you shouldn't uh, yeah it's a threat be, because you don't know what the material is when you open the envelope and you know it it scares you and you're worried about your family so no it it doesn't matter whether it was actually harmful or not well and we're all old enough to have lived through multiple but i uh, thinking the most serious one after 9-11 anthrax yeah. scares were uh, mailed to public officials so i mean yeah, it's not an idle threat. Yeah, it's not an idle threat. It is a serious deal, and nobody should, nobody should be laughing this off or rolling their eyes. Going to be interesting to track I, both of these. I think it's safe to say we'll probably have updates in the, the days and in weeks to come. Uh, Jason, if people want to read those updates, where can they do it at? At cjonline.com. On Twitter. I am at Jason underscore Alatid, A-L-A-T-I-D-D. That's important. Yeah, that's important. You got If you go to at Jason underscore Tid, that, that it'll, account's It'll just refer gone. you to uh, Jason Alatid. Oh, that, that's kind of handy, yeah. actually. I'm at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. The cap journal is at CJ online. You can like us on Facebook as well and Instagram. Uh, and John, where can they find your work? Well, first of all, on Twitter, I'm at APJDHanna, H-A-N-N-A, and then APNews.com. I would say what backslash and Kansas, but we have just redone our public phase. Yeah, so. actually, you know, I tried that today and it didn't work. So we're going to so. have to, yeah, it's just APNews.com. It's, uh, it's a redo of the, uh, the public web page. Very nice. So, um, Mazel Tov. Mazel tov. Um, did We, Jason, we missed the obligatory Disney reference. So I, the last time I tried to do the obligatory <laughs> Disney reference, it did not go. So That's why well. it is it, only Jason Alatid can do. The- <laughs> yes, only Jason is allowed. Well, I have not yet seen the new Little Mermaid. 
uh, after spending the honeymoon on the beach, I uh, am in a mood to go watch a uh, ocean-based Disney movie. Okay. So there you go. Is that going to be your holiday weekend plans? Perhaps. Okay. Well, I like that. Well, no, because uh, my wife is going to a uh, a uh, bachelorette party. You can a take friend is getting married. You yeah, can, one of her bridesmaids is getting married. You oh, can take oh, Crumbles, cool. your dog. Uh, yeah, Do they I, I allow don't, I don't Crumbles in theaters? That's uh, <laughs> non-service. There, yeah. Uh, Before the Hollywood one, Hollywood cinemas in Topeka closed, they seem like they might. I, wait, wait, wait. The the Hollywood cinemas in Topeka closed? Yeah, the one up by uh, the Museum of History. Yeah. Uh, come to the Topeka Capital Journal for John, state house news and local news. John needs, wow. Not John needs to read cjonline.com more. I, I, I read your stuff. You know, I just, wow. I, I we do it over, all at the Topeka Capital I, Journal, you, we baby. Scanned over, I scanned over the webpage too quickly. That's like news I can use. That is. I'll, I I will. This is folks, a good ad for subscribing. I, to yes, CJ. I I will. You know what? I, as soon as this is over, I'm going to go to CJ online and read this story about the Hollywood theaters and other fine fine journalistic endeavors at the, at the Capitol Journal. Well, if folks want to go back and listen to. I think almost 80 episodes of... Dis- I think of- this is the 80th. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And people do. They a- really do. 80 episodes of Disney references. SB 180 on episode 80. Oh, that's kind of eerie, actually. Yeah, it is kind of eerie. What are we going to do for the 100th? Do we have a plan a party. for the- a, a mariachi party. band will A come. mariachi band. I will have to figure out which episode that was that had the... The mariachi band from the governor's event. That was almost a year ago now. Yeah, that was. How time flies when we're just chilling in the (laughs) state house. If you want to listen to those back episodes, uh, and you do. Spotify. award-winning back episodes. (laughs) Oh, but those are only the ones for over the last year. Yes. (laughs) um, Before that, we were not award-winning. Well, there was no award to win, right? That's true. Yeah. We invented and perfected it. So. Yes, we did. We, we we they created the award because they wanted to give it to us. <laughs> anyway, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, go listen. We are there. Jason, Andrew, John, Andrew, Jason, gentlemen, a pleasure as always. Would you say we could come back here Friday and? Uh, yeah, if we have stuff to talk about Friday, let's do that. Let's, let's do, do that. Yeah. I mean, we'll, obviously, we'll if some... we get an announcement from the governor's office late in the day, we may be a little busy. We'll be shooting our mouths off like they'll be shooting fireworks off. Oh, I don't shoot my mouth off. <laughs> Never, John. Never. I, I, we all offer informed, if not informed, but hilarious commentary. Plus, occasionally, Andrew sings in falsetto. You heard it here first, folks. In, what, what was that? Informed and... Uh, hilarious. Informed and hilarious commentary with a side dose of falsettos. We'll see you back in a few days. Same time, same place. Have a good one, y'all.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.